from the NFL. If you're Dak Prescott, individual numbers aren't enough anymore. You want to get paid? Win something. To the NBA. Who gives a about the Pelicans if Zion don't play? Across the landscape of college football. There's no such thing as a good loss in the ACC. So if you're Clemson, you better win every game. And so much more. Let's talk some sports, baby. The stories you want. Baseball is back. Basketball is almost back. And football is on the way. You love to see it. The opinions you need. Sports is what this country needs. And I truly, truly believe that. Holla at your boy. It's Jay Wise. It's the drink. It's the beard. And it's the wisdom. I hope you brought pen and paper because class is in session. And Nathan Drinkard. Remember, make tomorrow better than today and make today better than yesterday. And you know what we're going to do. We're going to holler at you until next time, baby. This is A Drink of Wisdom. Welcome to A Drink of Wisdom. Nathan Drinkard, I'm Jay Wise. Thanks for spending some of your time with us. As you well know, our show is hosted on the Anchor app, but we're also on all the um, major podcast platforms you can think of, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And if you prefer the video format of the show, we're also up on YouTube at the A Drink of Wisdom channel. Uh, We hope you check us out, like, listen, share, subscribe, and all the rest of it. We greatly appreciate it. And what's going on, Drink? You know what it is, man. It's another exciting episode of A Drink of Wisdom. You know what time it is. Uh, We see what they don't, say what they want. Let's talk some sports, baby. Let's roll, baby. And away we go in episode 37. The Joker denies Ja. Dak cashes in, and it's that time of year where we talk about NFL franchise tags. What we get, but we begin today with uh, Miami Center, Miami Heat Center, Myers Leonard, and the anti-Semitic slur that made the rounds on social media on Tuesday. On Thursday, the NBA announced Leonard would be suspended from the Heat facilities and team activities for a week, and also fined fifty thousand dollars. He'll also be required to participate in a cultural diversity program. Leonard was live streaming his play of the video game Call of Duty when he uttered the slur in the midst of a profanity-based rant. He has since apologized and vowed that his future actions will be more powerful than his use of this word that we will not repeat. NBA Commissioner Adam Silver said the comment was inexcusable, hurtful, and will not be tolerated, and Leonard is expected to uphold the core values of the NBA moving forward, which include equality, tolerance, inclusion, and respect. All right, Drink, over to you. What do you make of this? Myers Leonard situation. Well, let's just call it what it is. Um, under no circumstances is having an anti-Semitic slur acceptable. Let's let's just call it. I don't care what group it is. I don't care how it was said. I don't care if it was um, on purpose. If it was an accident, which I would like to hear the accident excuse, but it it doesn't really matter if you say it is wrong. Um, and I know we was having this conversation. You. One of the beauties about this show, let me just go down a rabbit hole a little bit. One of the beauties about this show is me being black, you being white, George being white, we get to uh, we get to sit down and look at you know situations like this and we can talk about it openly and freely before we get on here and just kind of bounce what we thinking about certain situations before we get on here and you know it looked like World War Three because we didn't actually like say anything about it. Um, and that's the beauty of the show. I like that. Uh, being an African-American guy, seeing all this, I like being able to have, um, you know, you get, get the input of yours, get the input of Cody 
And it, it makes me think about some certain stuff a little different. And I like to think it does the same thing for you guys. When you hear it from a different perspective, it makes you think about certain things different. I say that to say this. For the first time in like forever, an anti-Semitic slur goes down. And it has really nothing to do with black people. So shout out to Miles Leonard for you know skipping us out on that one. Um, but I joke about that, but you know, this is unacceptable. Let, let's get into why I think it's unacceptable. All right. First and foremost here, we're in year 2021. You can't go out, you can't wipe your butt. If you a public figure, keyword public, you know what I'm saying? Like you just put it together. Hey, what's your job? Public figure. Okay. Then best believe everything you do is going to be in the public. And these professionals, right? These public figures, they got to know. It's so many people out here trying to make a lifestyle for themselves off of your lifestyle, right? And a lot of these reports we get, that's what it is. Like whoever the guy or whatever recorded this and, you know, sold it to whoever he sold it to and got, you know, Miles Lennon in trouble. Miles Lennon deserved to be in trouble. I'm not not knocking that. He definitely deserved to pay some type of punishment. I think the NBA is handling it accordingly. They, they doing what they got to do. And what I will give the NBA credit for, and we, we didn't necessarily talk about this, but I thought about it. I'm going to give them credit for punishing him, for saying a slur that a lot of people didn't even know. Like, they'll listen to that video and say, I don't understand the problem. I don't right. even know what, you know what that is. Um, and like like we was talking about earlier, we're so used of the N-word being associated as the slur, the disrespect. You know, when we, when we, as soon as I heard racial slur, the first thing that came to my mind is, oh, okay. Oh, God. He must, yep. he, he must drop the N-bomb in the, yep. in, in, in the group and somebody recorded it. But when I heard what he actually said, which just as bad as the N-bomb, but because it goes to a different race, people kind of sit back a little bit. What I think, what I liked about the NBA was, they was like, you might as well have said the N-word, you out of here. We're going to punish you. You're going to sit. You're going to do this. Because we're not going to take any, any anti-Semitic racial slurs. Any. Not just the N-word. Not just, you know, this community, that community. Any community. So I, I appreciate the NBA for doing that. Miles Leonard. You're a professional. You know what you can and cannot say. I don't want to hear none of that bull about, well, I, I didn't know it was bad and we was playing. Yeah, you don't get to have that excuse today. If you didn't know it was bad, why was you saying it? Right. Like, listen, man, I got a seven-year-old daughter. I tell her every day, don't be saying stuff if you don't know what it means. Because you know when they're seven, they hear certain stuff on right. TV or they hear certain stuff from their parents and then mm -hmm. they think, oh, yep. I guess I can say that. Right. Hey, I heard you, a hole. Whoa, 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 whoa! What we doing here? What we doing? Where you hear that from? Oh, I heard it from TikTok or something. I don't know. Oh well, that just because TikTok said don't mean you can say it. Oh, I didn't know it was a bad word. That's probably a lie. But if they seven, they get a little bit of benefit of the doubt. You yep. know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. A grown professional that been playing in the NBA for all these years. Yep. No. Um, you don't get to say that. And and listen, you made a fantastic point earlier. There's been times, you you know what I'm saying, you on the game, you in the gulag, you doing your thing, 
And, you know, maybe you just getting killed a lot. You're not 100% focused. You're not in the game. And you just like, you know what, F this. You know, I'm, these dudes about to piss me off. You got dudes talking trash to you because that's what it's about, uh, especially on Call of Duty. You got plenty of people talking trash. So you like, you know, F you, you know what I'm saying, go eat a bag of baby. You know, whatever you got to say to make yourself feel better because you're getting your, your, your butt handed to you on the, on the game. So you say stuff. But this is not acceptable. And like we talked about, had he just said, hey, F you, you little B, profanity shouldn't be universally accepted, but it is. It, especially for these professional athletes. We know, you think we they talking to each other with a sensor button on? I doubt <laughs> yeah, it. On the court, right. I doubt it. <laughs> yeah. I doubt it. I doubt they walking around saying, you ain't nothing but a bleep. You little bleepity bleep. Like, nah, yeah. like, I doubt that. Um, mm -hmm. So, this is the arena that they're in. So we wouldn't be that upset about that, but you got to do better than this. And I hope this is a first step to all races. Um, I'm not going to step on what you're going to get into, but I think all races need to pay attention. It's black, Asian, white, uh, all races. Just because you deem it um, harmless doesn't mean it's harmless. And it's a lot of stuff that's said daily. From my community to African American, I hear a lot of stuff daily, and I'm like, they don't sound a little bit racist to you, and then I'm an Uncle Tom for saying that. You know what I'm saying? And I deal right, with that right. on the daily, but it, it is what it is. I consider myself a professional. I consider, I treat everyone the way I want to be treated. So I don't necessarily go to the color first. I go to how you treat people, how I see you treat people. That's what I go to. So just because you black don't mean I'm gonna say, oh man, that's all right, man. Be a be a POS, but we black. Let's stick together. No, like that's not how I get down. Or you know, same thing with a, with a white person. Like I don't, I try to treat everybody equal. That's how I live my life. The Lord didn't bless me throughout my life because I live my life like that. And this is unacceptable by Miles Leonard, but it's a lot of stuff that's unacceptable in sports. Period from all groups. Um, so, so I don't hang on to this long cause I'm not giving the, um, biography of Miles Leonard. He ain't even that good. I just want to talk about what he said. Yeah, so, <laughs> um, what he said should be a shot to other, um, professionals, not just NBA players that you can't do that. You're always being watched. You are like, I don't know why these NBA players or these professionals not understanding that you're always being watched, be a professional. If, if you got something to say because you're getting your tail handed to you, get off the game and then say it. Like, you don't have to say it right then and now. You could be like, all right, bro, I'm done. Let me go do my thing. i catch up with y'all later. And then you get out there and you, whatever you say in the process of your own home is what you say, right? Like, no one can say Miles Leonard got off the game and said this word and that word. Like, nobody yep. cares about that. Mm -hmm. um, so th this is just, a, a, I think, a lesson that needs to be learned by all these these professionals, these public figures. You got to knock it off. But before I stop, I just want to say that if you don't know what he said, go and Google it. It's all over the internet. But people, let's let's let let this be known. What he says is just as just as offensive as if he would said the N word to blacks. Um, to, to us, we would have been just as offended. So just know what he said was a serious word. Just because it has nothing to do with us, don't make it any less serious. Cause it, cause it is. That's why the NBA did what they had to do. But we got to get together as a country. We need more to do. We we just ain't got enough to do. Like COVID, yeah. 
then gave us too much time on our hands. And now we, as a country, we just out here playing with a ball of yarn. Oh yeah, let me do this. You got my attention. Um, and this is not it. We we got to get back to where we mind our own business. We working so hard. We going to a goal to where we're not really sitting here stopping to see what's going on here. Stop the killing. Stop the violence. We got to build ourselves back up. And I think just this is a like they call it a systematic problem. This is just a, like a world a countrywide problem for us. And we got to get back to what we do best with being innovators, being creators, being this, that, and the third. It's a reason why everybody comes to this country to try to build something for themselves. We got to get back to that. Because right now, we worry about a whole lot of nothing. Uh, I'm sorry, but we all, we, we go off on a whole lot of nothing because we have, like, it's the lack of stuff to do, I guess, because of COVID and keep people in the house. Listen, you, you have somebody trapped in the house for six months, some crazy stuff going to happen. And I, I think as we keep going, that's what's going to happen. Hopefully, my theory is to this. Once the country opens back up and we start back doing things that normal, probably with a mask on, but still, everything starts opening it back up and people start having more to do with their time, events like this are going to get lesser and lesser and lesser. And I think we're going to start back getting along as a country. God, I thought we was getting along. And I'm not saying racism don't exist because it does. But as a country, for the most part, it seemed like we was getting along before the last two years of drama that came through and just stripped us of normalcy. So with all that said, man, you know, un it's an unfortunate situation. It very is. It, it, it really is. But I like the NBA. I like the way they're handling it. I think uh, Myers Leonard is going to learn from this situation. And un unfair to him, his past is getting compound with his present. That's going to make it hard for his future. If that makes sense. Um, it's, you know, hope, you know, he got to, he got to work, work his way through, do whatever that's asked of him, you know, change the way he, he thinks about things. And then hopefully he can bounce back from this. Um, just like any other, any other player will bounce back from something they might say. And, um, we'll see, but it's just, we got to get out. We got to get more to do. We too many people in this country for, for us not to have something to do. And that's what I think the biggest culprit is of, you know, this, but it's unacceptable. We'll see how this goes. Hopefully, this is a, a lesson for everybody. But you know, we'll see. Yeah, a couple, couple points, couple points. I do want to touch where you, um, where you went, just before I forget them. Um, and the first and foremost is Myers Leonard as an NBA player. Player is quite irrelevant. This is a guy who's played three games on the year. He's been out for over two months due to a shoulder injury. He will not play again this season. And it's just unfortunate that you have to discuss a guy at his worst moment and a guy who, for, for what he does as a profession, he is an NBA basketball player. And this has little to nothing to do with, with, with who he is as a player. On the season, and I'm not going to give you averages because a three-game average does nothing for you, but on the season, he has scored 10 points, gobbled up seven rebounds, and committed five fouls. That is Myers Leonard of this 72-game uh, uh, COVID-shortened season. That, that, that's what he's done. And also, the thing you talk about, and you alluded to it about, you know, kind of the, the societal, I believe you said countrywide, which is a, a good way to put it. I, I would, I, I'd call it a, a societal issue. And you hear the term, the term uh, cancel culture is used a lot for me. But the, the precursor to something like that 
is the outrage culture to where you know as well as I do, something like this occurs and it's a race for everyone to come out and say, I, I condemn this, you know, to this degree, to the, to the second degree. And then you got some joke over here is like, you know what, I condemn it to the fifth degree. And it's just, it's a contest to see who can be the most outraged. That's why I call it, that's why I refer to it as outrage culture. And you, you made a great point, of, a larger point of the society. And I, I don't know if you read what I wrote yesterday in a little piece, you know, I go on a little tangent from time to time you know, on a certain, certain uh, social media platform. But I just look at certain things that we, you know, get bogged down on. You know, for example, um, Dr. Sue being racist, or he was racist. And now you can't read the books that you used to read, like The Cat in the Hat or Green Eggs and Ham and all the rest of it. Uh, Mr. Potato Head. Uh, I don't even know. I, don't, I didn't even look at that. But there's something wrong with Mr. Potato Head now. And then, of course, you know, you got the thing that when it's been, you know, for months now you know, where we sit here and get caught up in, you know, uh, which white man in the Confederacy was a racist 150 years ago. These are not I say all this. These are not the signs of a functioning of a, of a serious functioning society. There's too much nonsense going on. And I talked about, you know, yesterday I was like, you think I don't know what. Uh, you know, Chairman G out there in China has going on, but it's not Dr. Seuss and it's not Mr. Potato Head. You know, they're serious about power. You know, while we while we sit around here arguing over who gets to use which bathroom, they're over there serious about taking over the world. That's what's happening. So, but to the to the point of hand and to to Myerson, because I don't want to go way over there on that on that point. Uh, but I think first and foremost, on the on what he said. You can't, you can't have it. And I think that that's a point where we can all agree on that. And I, and I think, you know, I, I do think, and I, I think I may have had the same initial reaction. When you see racial slur or slur in general, you're automatically saying, oh God, not again, not again. It, it, please, please don't let it be the N word. And it wasn't, but, but regardless, and I think, you know, and I'm going to do, uh, you know, what, Adam Silver said about the core values of the NBA. He said one of, one of them is equality. And what I hope that we have from here, because I, I fully support whatever punishment he wants to lay down. And the $50,000 fine, he said, was the maximum punishment he could give for a situation like this. And I think that's important because I think we should, we should not have any room for any slur, I'm gonna just say slurs, any slur against anybody we shouldn't tolerate, whether it's the N-word, whether it was what Myers Leonard said, uh, whether it's against uh, somebody of Asian descent, whether it's against a white person for that matter. We, should, we shouldn't have, we shouldn't tolerate any of it. And I am glad to see that he put the maximum fine down because it lets me know if it was a racial slur against a, a black person, that it would be the same punishment, I believe. So I think that's encouraging. And, but I also, I think it's, we, we've got, we gotta be, we do have to be careful on one aspect because we don't, I don't think we wanna go down this road hundred percent. I think this is a dangerous road. If you go down, you know, on one hand, it's one thing to judge someone based off their worst action that really matters. Like if something, like for example, if someone commits a murder, that's something you can't come back from, it's over. But something that someone says that 
yes, it may be hurtful, it may be offensive, but to excoriate that person to such a degree for one thing they said, that's a dangerous road. And people that, you know, are, you know, in the full midst and leading the charge of outrage culture, that that's dangerous. And I, you have to have, you have to engage in some sort of empathy and put yourself in someone else's position because God knows that I, there, there have been things that I have said that I wish I wouldn't have said. And if these things, if I was a public figure and I was, you know, a Myers Leonard, I would not want to be the one, you know, getting excoriated to this degree. And now you have, you know, Origin PC, who I believe Myers Leonard is a pretty, pretty good gamer. You know, they he had a, a contract with them or something, yeah. and now that's been severed. Th these are things that matter. And I really hope that we're paying attention and just not only should we learn from what he said, but we should also learn from the reaction. And not only Myers Leonard, there's been other there's been other folks that have that have you know said things they shouldn't have said. And we see what happens to these individuals. And that that's a slippery slope, you know, based off, you know, for all the good that someone may have done. And then, you know, Myers Leonard, he went on about, you know, all the money he's donated uh, in the Miami area and being active in the community, which, you know, a lot of these guys are. But we know, but, you know, in the public square at this particular moment in time, no one cares about that. You're defined by what you did wrong. And that's I think that's a dangerous game. And I do and I do hope. I do hope when you talk about the NBA and you talk about, you know, the core values of equality and inclusion and I'll, and I'll bring this up and not, and I'm, I'm not, I'm not the one to sit here and play victim. I'm not, that's not what I'm trying to do right now when I bring this up, but when you have the, the little situation that Montrezl Harrell and Luka Doncic got into in the first round playoff series last year, where I believe Montrezl Harrell said, beep, beep, white boy or whatever he said, like, that's that's not a big deal, but at the same time, if we're if we're serious about equality, if you bring race into it, if you bring uh, ethnicity or religious group, whatever it is, and you say something derogatory, there ha if if we're gonna do this to Myers Leonard, we have to be consistent at the for the same for the same you know idea that at the end of the day in a sporting event. The one thing coaches and players always talk about in terms of the officiating is they want consistency. If you're going to call it tight, call it tight on both sides and call it tight throughout the entire game. That way we know what to expect. If you're going to let us play, you're going to let more contact. Let's be consistent. That same principle needs to be applied to in situations like this. I don't think what Montrezl Harrell said in the first round playoff series to Luka Doncic, that shouldn't be acceptable. Even though I do... You know, I'm not going to sit here and pretend and be outraged myself about what Montrez Harrell said is as big a deal or as inflammatory as what Myers Leonard said, or it's and it's not the same thing as somebody saying the N word. But regardless, we should exercise if we're serious about equality, then we shouldn't allow any of it. no slurs. All right, on to last night's action where the Nuggets and Grizzlies battled in Memphis. Came down to the final seconds when John Morant's last shot of the game was challenged by Nikola Jokic and it came up just short. That allowed Denver to secure the win by a score of 103 to 102. The Joker scored a game high 28 points, including five points in the final 90 seconds as Denver wins their fifth straight and they overcame a dreadful shooting night from Jamal Murray. The Grizzlies got 20 apiece from Dylan Brooks and Brandon Clark, but Morant's tough shooting night, along with a few too many turnovers, left the Grizzlies just short. 
I drink. I thought it was a pretty exciting ball game. What do you think of the ending? Oh, listen. Um, I know talking to you earlier. You know, I know your feelings on it. Um, I guess if we're talking about the ending, I, I, I guess John Morant's star power plays a, a role in this. Because I, I have to think if that was Kevin Durant, would he have gotten that call? If that's LeBron, would he have gotten that call? Is I gotta believe those guys get that call. Not to say a no call is not the right call, but that's where the caliber of the player that's in the situation matters. Because it's just no way you get you tell me you get a superstar and they in that situation and they don't get that call. Hell, LeBron would have got that call if nobody touched him at all. Like it's LeBron, you know what I mean? Like that's just what it is. Um, you just build that certain that certain statue. But with that said, they did not make the call. It was a no call, whatever the case might be. And the Nuggets won. Now, here's my problem. This as exciting as as this game was, I just felt like it wasn't supposed to be exciting. Now, I know I sound crazy, right? Who the hell tunes into an NBA game and don't want it to be exciting? I got that. Um but this was the Nuggets versus the Grizzlies. We got to keep this in context. The Grizzlies is missing their second best player on this team. And they've been missing him for quite a while. Um, but then I switch over to the Nuggets. And the Nuggets, Murray, he played. Barely, but he played. And you got Jokic, um, Michael Porter Jr., Bart Millsap. All these guys that you you know the, the Nuggets for, they played last night. And you want to win the game by a point? Now, we know probably the biggest determining factor to that is one Jamal Murray. You, what are we doing here? I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't, three points? You, you borderline all-star? Mr. Bubble yourself? Mr. A, you know, I'm going to give it to you? 50, like, come on, Jamal. You make, what was the point of making a name for yourself just to come back the next season and be doing this? You made a name for yourself. You put in that hard work when you made it to the Western Conference Finals, and you was giving the Lakers what you was giving it to them. You and Jokic both. Hell, whatever Jokic got from that series, he went to the offseason and drunk three more cups of it, and he came back, and he ready to ball. He is ready to ball. I don't know what he did in the offseason, but he ready to play. I can't say the same thing about Murray. I'm telling you right now, the Nuggets ain't going to make it that far with this type of performance. You will not be in the Clippers, Lakers, Jazz, um, and uh, uh, the Suns. You're not beating none of those teams in the West Conference Finals with Jamal Murray showing up like this. This this is not it. As as much as I like Jokic, he can only do so much. All you got to do is get him a, a double team down in the paint and make everybody else beat you. And if the rest of the team coming like this, you know, and I, I know I'm, I'm being a little hard on Michael Porter Jr. and Will Barton. You know what I'm saying? They play awesome. I'm not trying to knock them, but Jamal Murray got to be better. And then let me let me get over here to the Grizzlies. The Grizzlies look just like they record. 500. That's exactly what they looked like last night. Uh, 500. You don't know if they good. You don't know if they bad. You still trying to figure them out. You know what I'm saying? Can I call a friend for some help? Yeah, some of that crap because that's what the Grizzlies looked like last night. And I, I myself, I wasn't overly impressed with their shooting. I thought they was more based on, like, driving the ball. I see Brooks did good. Um, this kid, Clark, before I forget to say this, 
that guy impressed me on the defensive side of the ball. I didn't really get enamored what he did on the offensive side, but the defensive side, I seen him playing. He was locking some stuff down. Um, every other possession, he was getting steals. Like I really like what he brought to them defensively. Um, but Memphis either gonna have to make a move or they're gonna have to do something. This is not, this is not good enough. They probably won't make the playoffs again with this roster. Um, this ain't it. I'm sorry. I, I like the young talent. I, I like Morant. I like Brooke. I like, but this you need something. I don't. They need a a stop. Maybe a Chris Paul type of cat. Um, Jimmy Butler type of guy. Like it, they're just so young. You can't take them seriously. And if John ja Morant is your best player, Jaron Jackson is your second best player. And he ain't played since the Frozen Chosen. Like you need some type of leader in there to kind of band them together. Or this is just what we're going to see out the Grizzlies. But as far as the game went last night, yes, it was exciting. Good win for the Nuggets. I expected more. I thought the Nuggets were going to come out here and dust them off right quick because they should have because they're just a better team. They're the team that had proven the most. But it was I guess it was a reason why it was a nationally televised game because they seen some good stuff coming. Cool. I, I just wasn't oh, – I, I don't know. Did – I wasn't overly excited with the Nuggets, and I wasn't overly excited with the Grizzlies, even though the Grizzlies looked more like they were supposed to. So, hey, Nuggets, y'all got to get it together. Did, we're after the All-Star break, so all that, we still trying to figure it out. Crap, that's out the window. Now it's fine-tuning for the playoffs. That's where we at now. And if you ain't doing that right now, don't worry about it. You'll be out of here in the first round, second round, whatever, if you ain't fine-tuning for the playoffs right now. You still trying to figure out – we, we need to know the dynamics of our team. You out of here. Bounce. First round, second round, you out of here. Because you should know that by now. But we'll see. Um, but, you know, shouts out to um, NBA TV and TNT, whichever, you know. Good game. Holla at your boy. You got to do better, Nuggets. Well, you got to do better, Jamal Murray. I'm sorry. Jamal Murray need to do better. Yeah, I thought the, uh, you know, the, the, the broadcast, you know, on NBA TV, TV featured the local Memphis broadcast. Uh, when that when the final play happened, um, they were it, there was some controversy of where you know the referee raised his hand right when the contact between Jokic and uh, Morant occurred. They thought that was the foul call, and then they ended up waiting until uh, Dylan Brooks fouled Jokic on the rebound or whatever happened. Uh, I, I can see why they were a little upset, uh, but but I thought you know given. And it goes back to what I said previously about the consistency. I thought it was a pretty consistent um, let them play type of game. I mean, I'm looking at, I think there was uh, 19 foul shots on the game. So there, there wasn't a whole lot of free throw shooting. You know, it was, they, they let these guys play. They play, they, it was a pretty uh, clean game. And I did, I thought on the last play, um, you know, uh, John Morant aggressive to the rim. He's taking it on the left side of the rim. I thought Jokic went straight up. He did bring his uh, as Morant was on the way down. He did bring his right arm down, but there was that there had that had no impact on the play. Didn't make contact. I thought it was I thought it was a good no. I thought it was a no call. I would have let it go. And you know as well as I do, I think one of the last things a referee wants to do in that moment is be the guy that decides the game. So I, I got no problem with the no call. It was a. It was a contested play at the rim. You know, it was a tough shot. Um, I think, I do think, I think on this, uh, John Morant to me wasn't, he didn't blow me away last night. I, I expected a little bit more. 
he's capable of more, you know, 16 points on five or 16. Um, that That is not good enough. That's not good enough for the best player on the team looking to make the playoffs. Uh, but I think if, if, you know, if John Morant had been in any sort of rhythm last night, um, I didn't think he was as aggressive as I'd like to see. There was a couple times in the fourth quarter where he turned it on late and got a couple good runs at the rim. Um, but due to his, you know, for his standard mediocre performance, it was, I think I thought it was a fitting ending. You know, if, if, if he's coming out there and aggressive from the jump and, um, you know, getting downhill to the rim, showing off that great above the rim athleticism, I think that's a shot he makes. I think he makes that. Um, but it wasn't to be, and um, Denver, you know, as much as, you know, I think it's fair to expect a little bit more of them, expect them to be a little bit more dominant. Um, Denver is, they're in a good spot right now. They've won five in a row. Um, and they're in fifth place in the West. And we've seen, we've seen for a while now, there have been four teams, because you got to throw Phoenix in there with the Lakers, Clippers, and Jazz. And I did think Denver is a prime team that they, they've under, they had underachieved up to even, even maybe this point, they, they, they can, they have more talent than the 22 and 15 team. And they're starting to put things together. They're starting to finish a little bit for Jokic down the stretch, hit a big three and it hit a, a lefty hook, which I thought was really impressive. Um, so he was outstanding. He's playing at an MVP level uh, 28 and 15 and seven, including, and, and don't forget, uh, and I said this before we started today. I think he's a. I think he's an improved defender. You know, when you when you make that, when you go straight up and you defend the rim like he did to end the game. I mean, these are signs of a complete player. Um, and when you talk about who's the best center in the league, I'm I'm well aware Joel Embiid is playing great, but that type of de uh, elevation in Jokic defensively, because I think he's he's getting quite a quite a lot of steals this season as well. He's playing fantastic. And before you could only. You, you could make the argument that it was only at the offensive end. He's having an impact defensively now. And I think that's very important. And if Denver continues to surge like this, he absolutely will be a serious contender for MVP because he's playing fantastic. Uh, Murray, uh, Jamal Murray, of course, he, he was awful last night, was not a factor at all. Uh, but I don't, it, it's not quite uh, an accurate depiction of how he's been. He is averaging 21, 22 a game. Uh, the month of, for the month of February, he averaged 26 per game and shot, I think, 51% from the floor, 46% uh, from three. So he just had one of those just throw away the film type games because it was awful. Um, but the, the encouraging thing for Denver is with a game like that for Murray and with no Gary Harris, who I don't, even, I don't know what this is, but Gary Harris, he, I guess he's doing his Deshaun Jackson impersonation because we can't find him ever. Just he going to stay hurt? But – when you basically don't have a starting backcourt and you still can eke out a win against a solid, well-coached team like Memphis, that that's something that you gotta you gotta take that and you gotta accept it. And yeah, there's stuff they need to work on. They do need to get better. Jamal Murray, if 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 Denver wants to be a serious championship contender, Jamal Murray can't have a performance like that. But if they can if they can get Murray back to anything close to what he was in the bubble, if you remember how he, you know, he just torched Utah for like he was popping 50, 40 and 50 off, and it was just a given. That, that Denver, Denver's a dangerous team and they are worth watching as we continue. Um, Memphis, Memphis, Memphis doesn't blow you away. It's I was I was impressed that they stayed in it. 
the entire way. I thought in the I thought in the third quarter Denver stretched it out. I think they went up by maybe eleven or twelve. And I thought at that point, I thought Denver was going to run away from it. But Memphis, they fought back. Dylan Brooks had a lot to do with that. I thought for Memphis, I thought Brandon Clark, you know, Brandon Clark had 12 in the first quarter, 16 in the first half. I really thought he kept them afloat because Brooks struggled early. Uh, John Morant wasn't doing a whole lot. Uh, Brandon Clark kept them afloat in the first half, and Dylan Brooks helped them stay in it in the second half. He had a big fourth quarter. And, of course, but no Jaron Jackson – that's a big deal. His second best player. He hasn't played since um, the NBA. He didn't play in the NBA bubble. We know Memphis uh, last year before the shutdown, they were in the eighth seed and they had a little bit of a lead. They held them, they couldn't hang on to it. Um, they, they, they need a little bit more to get where they need to go, but it may be one of those situations where you just kind of have to let this team grow and develop on its own. But of, of course they could benefit from, you know, a free agent acquisition in the off season. I don't know if, I don't know if this is one of those teams that wants to make a trade. Just let it grow. Young team, young coach. I think Taylor Jenkins is doing a very good job. And I will offer this little comparison to you because John Morant and Zion Williamson, they're going to be, you know, it's, it's an easy comparison because those are your first and second draft, uh, first and second overall picks. I mean, I look at these two teams on paper, and I, I, it's just curious to me. New Orleans looks – New Orleans looks like the better team on paper, but yet in practice and on the floor, it doesn't happen. And all the way up to the coach, like if, if you had a choice between Stan Van Gundy and Taylor Jenkins, you may, you may want to be, take the safe route and take Stan Van Gundy, but, right. and you know, Zion Williamson, Brandon Ingram, Bledsoe, all the rest, they, they look like a more explosive, better team on paper, but in practice, it doesn't happen. And that's just curious. Even with John Morant, having a pretty mediocre performance last night. Memphis was in was in it all the way up to the wire. And they're in, you know, they're only a, they're still only a game back of that eight seed. They're, they're in this race. They're in the race in New Orleans, like we said, you know, last week or whatever it was, they, they, they don't appear to be close. And they just they just lost, they just got blown out the water by the worst team in the West in Minnesota. So that that's a comparison that if I'm a Pelicans fan, and I'm looking at that. I'm saying, why are we not that? Why are we not there? Where because it looks like based on the talent that New Orleans have, they should be where Memphis is, and Memphis should be where New Orleans is. I, I definitely agree. You got New Orleans got two all stars, right? And then you got one, two, like two or three guys that was all defensive players. <laughs> Memphis have none of that, none of that. And yet, you know what? You know what? The next time we had the Pelicans on here, we gonna have to talk. Cause uh, you know what? Yeah, I we didn't need realize a, just we how need much. A, yeah, we need a Pelican. We need a Pelicans Grizzlies game is what we need. Maybe we'll have. Maybe we'll, uh, the next one. We'll have to take a look at that and and make sure we get in that. Cause I think that's I think right. that comparison. Cause again, I look at it. You look at just the names and the individual parts, and it would seem to me that New Orleans would have a decided advantage. But in practice, that is not what, that is absolutely not what we're seeing. Now to the NFL and a story that broke earlier this week from Dallas. Cowboys quarterback Dak Prescott finally has a long-term deal he's been seeking, and it's a big one, four years at $160 million. The $40 million average is second in the NFL to only Patrick Mahomes, and the deal includes the highest signing bonus in NFL history at $66 million. Prescott was franchise tagged during last offseason, and his ankle injury in week five put his future in doubt, but those doubts have been erased with this new deal. All right, Drink, what are your thoughts on this Dallas Dak money bag? I was 
it's it's not often that you see an injury actually create leverage for a player, an injury to themselves. Usually that you know that devalues a player. Um, but in this instance, it seems like the injury actually helped Dak Prescott accelerate a new contract. And and let me be clear, I know I'm on wax saying if I'm the Cowboys, I wouldn't pay him this, and I'm still on the wax for saying it. But I would say the chips kind of fell in Dak's lap. And then now the Cowboys had to readjust to what's happening now and what's going to happen here in a couple of seasons. And I'm just fairly confident Dak agent sat down with Jerry and Steven and said, listen, you don't have to pay him now. But if he comes back and have get you to the playoffs, when that salary cap goes up, because it's going to go up, we coming with Brink's truck. We coming for our stock exchange. We want it all. Like, we coming for it all. And I think, you know, with Jerry Jones and Stevie Jones being such uh, business savvy um, individuals, they seen the writing on the wall and was like, listen, this sounds like some outrageous money right now, but this is not going to be nothing once we start back bringing it, filling up the stadiums and um, we start. We get our new TV deal and all this other stuff. The cap is gonna go up, and Dak and his people know that. So you you franchise have me if you want, but I come out here and ball. You gonna wish you paid me, and this is why I think it's the biggest culprit of Dallas signing him at this deal. And I mean, you look at this deal and you're like, oh my god, I can't believe Dak got paid so much money. Oh man, he got the largest signing bonus in NFL history. Let let me tell you something about the signing. Yeah, it's guaranteed, but you don't get all that in one spot. It's spread it out throughout the, the, the length of the contract. So it is broken down over the next four years. You don't just get a check for $66 million. That's, that's how the old NFL used to work. This NFL don't work like that. So it is spread it out. Is it a lot of money? Absolutely. But who the hell to say he don't deserve that signing bonus? Because up until this injury, that was a pretty durable quarterback. That you can say what you want about him. He was pretty durable. And the best ability is availability. In any sport, they'll tell you that. If you're available, even though you might not be the best, at least you're available. So we'll pay you for availability. We really will. It won't be as high as that other guy that's really, really good. But we will pay you for that. It is a skill. LeBron James has showed us in the NBA being available is a skill. You might not think so, but when your team can, when they can depend on you, game in and game out, that is a skill that you get paid accordingly to it. And I feel like that was one of the things with Dak. Dak probably said, up until this injury, I've been here. I've been doing everything. Okay, I haven't played the best. I got it. That's why you haven't paid me until this point. So, I, you know what I'm saying? Everything has a cause and effect. Cool. Now, let's talk about something else that probably helped Dak get paid. Your Andy Dalton. I was on record saying it's not that big of a gap between Dak Prescott and Andy Dalton. The only thing, the biggest gap between those two is how much one want to get paid and how much the other one is getting paid. That's the gap, right? So, you know, we talk, we 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 spitball, brainstorm, and we throw all these these theories out and we throw out our opinions. And we're thinking like if if um Dalton comes out here and does anything for Dallas. Get the, if he gets them to the playoffs, it's a wrap. Dakman lost all leverage. But, you know, Dalton came out there. Yeah. 
Play like a $3 million quarterback, I guess. And, you know, the, the rest is history. And another reason I thought about why you would make this deal. All right, so now you done locked up Zeke. Now you done locked up Dak. You done locked up Amari. Um, you still got some work to do on the offensive line, but you do have some of those guys locked up. Then you got Gallup and um, Lamb on still on their rookie contracts. So your offense, for the most part, is is – Pretty set now. You spend a lot of money on that side of the ball, but it's pretty set um, tight end. And then, for me, it allows you to work on that defense. Because I think that was the part of the Dallas Cowboys that people overlooked. But that was their biggest. They couldn't stop anyone. They could not stop anyone. You let Byron Jones go to Miami. You should have kept him. Your guys that was performing, you know, they on drugs or they beating somebody on the defensive line. You know, um, Greg, what, uh, Gregory something. Oh, Randy Gregory, that's his name. Yeah. You know, he you didn't suspend him so many times because he don't want to get his act right. Um, and then you even brought Alden Smith from retirement. <laughs> we know his trouble passed. But, I mean, at least he performed some this year. He tried. Like, I mean, it wasn't much performing going on on that side of the ball. But he was trying. Um, you didn't get what you thought you were going to get out of Jalen Smith. Um, you know, Vander Esch was in and out of So you, and we talked about the cornerback, the, sec, the secondary situation. We, we that was just, hey, who who want to eat all you can eat? Token, come on <laughs> over here and play Dallas, cause that's what you're gonna get. Um, so with all that said, it wasn't just a Dak problem. I think they sat down and looked and said, yes, it wasn't just a Dak problem. And if we keep fumbling around, we might end up paying him more than we have to here in the future. Um, now it's on Dak. Dak has zero excuses now. When he comes back next season, we don't want to hear it. We don't want to hear none of that bull. Boop. You got paid. You got players. The defense going to have to figure it out. Uh, MacArthur, this will be his second year. Um, yeah. Kelly Moore, this will be his third year. Um, listen, all the weather excuses going to come from, but we shouldn't have them. It ain't a money thing. It ain't a skill thing. It's not a coaching thing. Well, it could be a coaching thing. But you you, you got continuity inside this organization. So, um, you know, my thoughts on this is I think it can help both teams. I, I, do, I see the benefit. Dak get his long-term security. Dallas gets him a little cheaper now than they would in a couple of years, I think. And I think it works out. Now, let's see America's team. Let, let's go. Now everybody got what they want. The, 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 the firing is smoothed out. Let's see if y'all can make it happen. If they don't win the NFC East this year, listen, I, I don't. It's going to be a big free agency for them offseason because they about to cut so much dead weight in this offseason if they don't win the NFC East. That's my opinion on it. That's a that's really a great point, and I'll I'll, I'll start there. The NFC East, I think we can project Philadelphia. Philadelphia about to be a mess. It's about to be a real mess in Philadelphia, although I'm rooting for Jalen Hurts. Um, but as far as I don't know what you see for the New York football giants or the, the old Washington red team, as I like to call them. <laughs> but I don't I don't project them to be all that formidable. You know, I think Washington's gonna be competitive because that's what Ron Rivera teams do. But they got questions at quarterback. Um, and then 
you know, the, the giants, you know, I, you know, they made some improvements. Um, you know, we think we, we, we think Joe judge, you know, can coach, but we, nobody's looking at either one of those teams and they especially not going to look at Philadelphia and say, Oh man, he's some powerhouse. So that, that right there, what you said. Yeah. Uh, Dallas, you may want to win the NFC and it's time to win something real. And it has to, it has to, I think it has to be a division, especially with the quarterback situation. Dak Prescott is the best quarterback in the NFC East. It ain't Daniel Jones. It ain't Jalen Hurts. And it ain't whatever Washington is going to trot out there. So th there's expectations right now, not only because Dak Prescott has accomplished something. He's made the playoffs a couple of times. He's done that, but he's a $40 million quarterback now. So you don't get the, you don't get the rookie, the rookie contract, fourth round pick excuse. You don't get the fact that, oh, I'm playing on a franchise tag and I'm putting myself out there and I broke my ankle and all this, all the rest of it. You don't get that now. Dallas, if nothing else, the best part of this from the team's the team perspective, Jerry Jones, Stephen Jones, and everybody else, is you know what? We've done something for ourselves and say, hey, we care about our players. We take care of our players. Because they didn't have to do this. And I don't think this is not something I would have done. And I don't believe for one second that Dak Prescott is worth this kind of money. There is value in having Dak Prescott. But what Dak Prescott was looking for and what he ultimately got is not the quarterback he is. He's a durable guy up to last season. I think he's got an element of clutch in big moments. I think Dak Prescott will come to, will come will come through for you. But I don't look at Dak Prescott as a guy that can carry you to a Super Bowl. I don't look at him as a guy that's going to elevate, you know, the rest of, you know, a subpar uh, supporting cast and elevate those guys to the next level. I think he's a guy that needs uh, significant help. He needs a strong running game. He needs an offense. He needs a great offensive line. He needs a competent defense. And if you look at the history of Dak Prescott and the Dallas Cowboys, his rookie season, Dallas was a very good team. They had, uh, the rushing champion that was back when the offensive line was uh, our, uh best, no doubt the, the no doubt the best offensive line in the league um the defense has come and went through the years but it's had years where it's been really really good and we have to and i always bring this up in, tw in 2019 right when the cowboys chose to pay ezekiel elliott they inexplicably changed their offensive identity with kellen moore they went away from being a run first power run football team. And they all of a sudden like, you know what? We just want to air it out. We want to be high speed, like all the, you know, all the other, the, the new age, kind of like, you know, when Steph Curry started popping threes from everywhere and analytics and Houston NBA. Rockets and that now everybody got to shoot threes. You know, there, there can be no other way to do things. Cool, I, I look at D Dallas to me has kind of, that's the way they've went. And I think it's, it's been a mistake. I think they, what, for them to what, have... Let me, no, let me caveat to that. Is it possible that they had to change the way that they wanted to play because they thought Zeke wasn't what they paid for? You know what I mean? Like, that, yeah, I mean, I guess I guess that's possible, but that's just, that's awful curious. What did you pay him for? That's that's always been my problem. If whoever, whoever is paid the big top dollars should be who you're relying on. I it, it it still baffles me that they paid Zeke, what was it, five, four for 60? I think that's what it was, which at the time, I think it was the biggest contract for a running right. back. And they just all of a sudden, well, you know what? We paid you all that money, but 
we'd like to change things up a little bit. We're actually going to lean more on, you know, the guy making about $2 million and we'll just throw the ball up and down the football field. I think that's, I don't like that. And I think, you know, I think for Dallas to get where they want to go, I don't think Dak Prescott flinging the ball, you know, 600 times a year is going to do it. I think they need to get back to Ezekiel Elliott, a strong offensive line, control the clock. Dak makes key plays on third downs. That's what he can do. But, you know, judging by what they've done recently and who Mike McCarthy is as a coach, because you remember Mike McCarthy's not a guy who historically relies on the running game. So that doesn't, that doesn't inspire confidence in me, you know, it, the, the best thing I can say about Dallas, it, it, it's a, it's a public relations move. And I don't, that, that's not, that's not a, a good way to run a franchise. The, the key thing always for me at the quarterback position, because that's the first, you know, if, if you're serious about winning a Super Bowl, you got to find a quarterback that can get you there. And there's two ways to do it. You either get a quarterback that can absolutely carry you and make up for shortcomings from other guys, or you have a quarterback that uh, isn't necessarily that guy. And you have to build the team in such a way that everybody else is so great that they can make up for the quarterback shortcoming. What Dallas here and what Dallas has done now, in my opinion, do they you, have oh, paid. So those two scenarios, do you got a quick example of both of those scenarios? So, yeah, Patrick Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady, that, you know, they're examples of guys that can lead, that can absolutely lead teams and they can make up for, you know, maybe other guys, for, you know, Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs defense. Chiefs defense, you know, it improved, but it wasn't a championship level defense. Um, the other examples I would have for um, like, how about Peyton Manning in his last season when he was no longer the Peyton Manning um, that was winning all these MVPs and was putting all these crazy numbers up. Uh, the Denver Broncos won a 2015 Super Bowl because of their defense. That's what happened. And then I would also say, you know, on a lesser extent, you know as well as I do, Ryan Tannehill, Kirk Cousins. The, the, right. the Vikings and Titans, the success they've had, yeah, the quarterbacks have been, you know, competent. They've been reliable. They made key plays. But they're built on the running attack with Dalvin Cook and Derrick Henry, respectively. That, that, that's what I see with Dallas. I think Dak Prescott is maybe he's on, he's on a, the same level and the same playing field as Ryan Tannehill and Kirk Cousins. That, and that's not going to get you a Super Bowl. Um, and the problem is now you paid him, you know, the, the, the contract Dak Prescott just got, it makes uh, Ryan Tannehill and Kirk Cousins' contract look like bargains. And I just think in the end, this, this, this contract, unless, if, if, if they're going to win anything, it has to happen right now. Because what's gonna, what I think will happen is as guys, you know, these young fellas like a Michael Gallup, a C.D. Lamb, and you can throw in whoever else you want that has not got paid yet, as their contracts come up to their expiration, there's going to be more and more Byron Jones type guys. You can't keep them because of the, you know, the amount of money you've invested in guys like Dak and guys like Zeke. And don't forget, you know, the Tyron Smiths of the world, Zach Martin, Lyle Collins, Jalen Smith, Demarcus Long. They've they've paid a lot of guys. And it's really hard to imagine how many more guys they'll be able to keep at top dollar because they've maxed out a lot of guys, a lot of other guys at top dollar. And I just, in the end, I don't think, you know, I think they have to win the NFC East. And if they can't, and if they can't do that at minimum, that this, this will be a failure. All right. We'll stay in the NFL and it's that time of year for the franchise tags. We got nine players uh, with the tag this off season, including, that got the tag for the second consecutive year. 
That's more than a quarter of the NFL teams, but it does fall well short of the record 14 franchise tags that were dished out last offseason. The positions vary somewhat. we got two wide receivers, three offensive linemen, one defensive lineman, and three safeties. All right, over to you, Drink. What stands out to you on this franchise tag list? Um, well, <clears throat> I think first and foremost, what, what I did notice about this whole uh, franchise tag situation in this offseason that I like was what the Bucks did in general, not just Chris Godwin, but um, how – you know what? Let me backtrack. Let me talk about something else um, before I get in that. The in the NFL, right? They find these teams always find a loophole. No matter how clad iron these these regulations are in the NFL, they find a way. What I find very interesting is this season they found they got a new term which is called a avoidable year inside of contract. So basically, a lot of these guys, let's say, um. Uh, the guy we were talking about earlier, Levante David, for for example. Levante David, on on the surface, it looks as if he signed a two-year deal worth how many of a million. Technically, though, if you actually look in the fine print, he actually signed a four-year deal. However, they have this new term called voidable contracts or voidable years. So what they did is they made the last two years voidable until he gets to the second year and then they can activate the third year and then activate the fourth year and so on and so forth. But since they're voided, you can't hit them as far as the cap go because those years on paper doesn't exist. Even though between the player and the organization, they do exist. It's one of these fine things. I find it fascinating how these teams are figuring out how to keep their players and stay under the cap at the same time. So I want to throw that out because I thought that was very fascinating. Um, but on to the question, like I was saying about the Bucks, well, we know what the Bucks situation was. You know, they had to work, they had to figure out how do we play, how do we pay Chris Godwin, Shaq Barrett, Levante Davis, and keep Tom Brady happy. Um, and you know, that's not mess up with the dynamics of the team too much. So we got to figure out if we can move this piece with that piece, you know, so on and so forth. It seems to me the Bucks have figured it out because I think Shaq Barrett is going to get paid. I think he's going to get paid. You just did the two-year deal with uh, Levante Davis. So both of those guys, you got them covered. So you're like, all right, cool. Chris Godwin then's become your biggest problem. Oh, we're franchise tag. How you feel about being franchise tag, Chris? Oh, I ain't really tripping. We make it to the Super Bowl again. That's all good. And then next year you can pay me. Like, it's not that big of a deal. Okay, cool. Now we happy with that. Hey, Antonio Brown, we're probably going to bring you and Grunt back on the minimums. You know, no big deal. How y'all feel about that? Hey, bring it along. We with it. Tom, we're going to reconstruct your contract so we can get a little more out of your contract. How you feel about that? Man, you know, I don't care. I'm going to play until I'm 50. It don't matter to me. All right, cool. Um, And... The reason I'm fascinated with this is because this is what the Chiefs did. And we just seen what the Chiefs did. They made it right back to the Super Bowl again. They only lost two games on the season. It wasn't the best showing in the Super Bowl, but they were still there nonetheless. And why? Because they did, they pretty much copy and paste. They paid the guys that they had to pay. And this is without the voidable contract thing, I might add. But they paid the guys they had to pay, and they made it happen. Patrick Mahomes, by the way, has done the same thing Tom Brady was doing mm-hmm. in New England. Re- he keep reconstructing his contract because he's smart enough to know 
It ain't not about the Benjamins. It's about these rings and the Benjamins. So he's getting them both. Um, so I, I was I liked it that. Now, if I had to go with, let's say, a surprise, right? Let's say a, a guy I seen and I was like, wait, they franchise tagged him again? I thought Allen Robinson was gone because he's been talking about a contract all year. They kind of been like, ah, yeah, man, we hear you. We know you better than any quarterback that's throwing the ball to you. But, you know, we'll get to it later. You franchise tag Robinson. You best to be coming with a quarterback to throw him the ball. This is ridiculous. Like, if I'm Robinson, I'm like, well, I might have to take this team to court. Like, I don't. You're going to franchise tag me, and then you're not going to give me a quarterback to throw me the ball? Like, I, I don't know, but if I'm Allen Robinson, I might be raising hell this year. Like, I'm, I refuse to just be out here, like, with elite talent ready for somebody to throw me the ball, and you keep every guy you can get off the thrift store, you keep signing him to throw me the ball. Listen, this I'm not a charity case. You know what I'm saying? You know, I'm not out here raising money for the, the, the sick or the, the hungry. I'm out here trying to get paid. I need somebody to throw me the ball. I'm sick of this charity case crap. Um, so I was a little surprised with that. Um, Cam Robinson, I, you know, I looked at that. I, I thought the Jacks would move. I mean, like, Cam Robinson hasn't been terrible. About, by no means that I'm saying he was a terrible little tackle. Matter of fact, from everything that I understand about Cam Robinson, he's been one of the better left tackles in the league. However... Some told me that Jag was going to move on. I just thought they was going to move on, you know, get some fresh legs in there, you know, because, like, Jags, with Urban Meyer taking over the Jags, I just feel like a lot of stuff was going to get changed around because Urban Meyer wants the team a certain look um, compared to what Doug Marone had and, you know, so on and so forth. So I was I was surprised to see that re-sign. Um, Little Williams. I don't know if this guy – is he good? I don't – and the reason I ask is, he got drafted really high by the Jets. Then they released him or traded him or whatnot he got with the Giants. I don't hear his name a lot as far as a game changer, but it always around this time of year when it comes to franchise tags or, you know, contract extension, something like that, that's when I hear his name every year. I don't really, it don't stick out to me as far as what he does on the field. You might pay him a little more attention than I have. That's why I ask, like, is he good? I don't know, but I, 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 you know, I'm a little baffled with that. I guess to say. And then um, the last one was the Saints. I see. So they franchise tag Marcus Williams, but they they sent uh, Janoris Jenkins packing. And I understand if I'm, I'm remembering this correctly, I guess they still in some type of uh, contract negotiation with Marshawn Lattimore. Um, so. I'm what about that secondary? I'm glad they brought back Marcus Williams at least. But that secondary look like it might take some hits this season. Um, it don't look like they'll be as tight. And I, granted, I'm not saying the same secondary was world beaters from the start. But, you know, it was good enough to get the job done. You know what I mean? With Lattimore, um, Jenkins, and et cetera, et cetera. It was good enough to get the job done. Now you're losing a couple of those pieces. So, and you still got a quarterback situation to figure out. So let, let's see how that goes. Um... But, you know, as far as, like, sticking out to me, I, I just really like what the Bucs did. I I think a lot of teams should take the approach that, if you can, what the Chiefs did last year, what the Bucs did this year, try to bring those pieces back. Let's run it back. 
Let's let's try to make something happen and let's see where it goes. So I'm gonna I'm gonna say the Bucks and not just Chris Godwin though, just the whole mix of everything how they how they got everybody under the salary this year. Yeah, pretty active, um, pretty active time in the franchise tag. It seemed like um, you know I had to roll back to last year. It was like, oh wow, fourteen. I don't know. We must have been must have been busy that day when we talked about it. Um, the I, I do I do agree about the Bucks. I thought uh, keeping Chris Gowan is a v- very smart move, even if you can't maybe pay him this year or right now. I, I think he's a real real critical piece, and I think um, you know it, it was come playoff time that. You know, I thought Chris Godwin was a real a real key to that offense. Um, so good for good for the Bucks, and of course, you know when you're, you know, I, we assume that at some point Tom Brady will stop playing football, but until until that time, load up, load up as much as you can, keep the weaponry, keep the armory locked and loaded, so we can go to work on Sundays, and that's what the Bucks are doing, and I completely agree with it. Much as you know, last year what they did with. Uh, Leonard Fournette, bringing him in, uh, the drafting of Tristan Wirfs, all these things to help Tom Brady at his advanced age. Um, absolutely right. And, you know, defensively, it, as it turns out, they're in a n- real nice position over there with that a fearsome front seven and a secondary with Antoine Winfield that punches above his weight class. I think Tampa Bay's, Tampa Bay's in, in fantastic position. Uh, there were some, you know, I, I thought that I agree. I do agree also with Cam Robinson. I thought it was a little bit curious. Um, I think, you know, since his rookie season, he's kind of been a little up and down, maybe a little inconsistent. Uh, we do have a source down there in Jacksonville who, and I just get, I did, I got the sense from him, you know, last couple of years that, uh, you know, he just wasn't enamored with Cam Robinson. You know, I think it also, he lost the season of injury, uh, but with him being franchise tag, uh, I have to assume that that's Urban Meyer has some input and say, you know, I like Cam Robinson. I want him to stick around. And because of that, you know, we'll just have to see how that goes. But, you know, in, in totality, I think Cam Robinson's a good player. It just seems a little, it seems a little odd to me. And, you know, Allen Robinson, you, you, you talk about, you know, the quarterback situation in Chicago, you know what, uh, to me, Allen Robinson has a little Deandre Hopkins in him. You remember the, the the first several years of DeAndre Hopkins' career? You had uh, you had Tom Savage and Case Keenum and T.J. Yates Osweiler. and Brock Osweiler. Thank you for filling in that blank because I knew I was going to forget somebody that <laughs> Bill O'Brien had you know flopped in there before Deshaun Watson and before he started you know tearing down teams. Um, but Allen Robinson, you th- um, you know his the mo- the two most notable quarterbacks he's had or Mr. Trubisky and Blake Bortles. So you know Allen Robinson. When Allen Robinson comes out and puts up 200 catches over the past two years, you know he's the real he's deal. He's one of the most underrated – he might be the most underrated receiver in football. And because of that, I think the, I think the tag's disrespectful. I, I get, it's got a little uh, different reasons, but this is about how I felt with A.J. Green in Cincinnati. Um I, I would either pay the man or I'd let him walk. And I, I don't, I don't like that. There, there's some instances where I understand the franchise tag and I like it for certain teams. I think, I don't think this was done in good faith. I think, and we do see oftentimes the franchise tag is simply an extension to allow teams to continue to negotiate a long-term contract. I really hope that's what this is. 
this is a guy who deserves to get his money. So I hope that Chicago's continuing to work on this and take and take some contract negotiations seriously because Allen Robinson should be he should get paid. Um, the the Leonard Williams thing, um, no, no, I haven't paid all that much attention because he plays in New York and New York has two pretty bad football teams right now. <laughs> uh, so no, but I you know I, I'm gonna say I think the Giants defense last year really kind of improved. I think Leonard Williams did have a lot to do with it. And the one, I think the big knock on Leonard Williams, you know, kind of early in his career was, I think everybody, everybody likes Leonard Williams. And they think he's a really good football player. You just didn't quite have the metrics that could back it up. 11 and a half sacks is 11 and a half sacks. So with that, you kind of, you're getting, you know, along with the talent, you're getting some quantifiable um, uh, result to where you can say, yeah, 11 and a half sacks. We're using that in negotiating table. Pay me. And I'm also going to say a couple other th- points off of Leonard Williams. I don't, I think the NFL, this whole thing where you can franchise guys in back to back years, I don't like that. I think you should, I think the NFL should have a rule to where you, if you franchise a guy, you know, one year, the next season, he should be ineligible. You should either give him a, give him an actual contract or you should let him walk. You shouldn't be like Justin Simmons, Brandon Scherf, Leonard Williams. They, they shouldn't be, even Kirk Cousins. You remember Kirk Cousins would get, I, he got franchised two or three straight years, you know? And, and, and I think we, I think we, I, I felt like they were never serious about paying him. No, and no. I don't think team, I don't think, you know, one year and you want to do it to try to help teams, you know, keep their, keep their really, their star player or whatever, because they don't feel like they can pay him a max amount of dollars for his position. I think one year is fine, but the back-to-back thing, it, it bothers me, and I don't think you should be allowed to. But these guys come out there on these one-year deals, and we just saw it with Dak Prescott. He gets hurt. Not everybody gets that fortunate. You know, there's a, a whole plethora of situations where, you know, if Leonard Williams gets hurt, he's not getting the big bag. He's not going to get it. You know, I think, you know, you could, like Brandon Scherf, even Justin Simmons, like, they're not getting it. So, and the other thing about it is, when I think Leonard Williams, it makes me think of the Jets who are now out here franchising Marcus May. The, the Jets are, the Jets are just awful. Have you, I can't, I can't even fathom, like, how do you let these guys that you draft super high and they just gone and now other teams are dealing with them, you know, Jamal Adams, Leonard Williams, and then the moves you do make, you, you pay Le'Veon Bell this amount of money. You don't even, you don't even know how to use him properly, or maybe he just can't play no more. That the, the Jets just bother me. Um, and I, you know, a guy like Marcus May, a nice player, but you, he's a safety. You just had an all pro safety and you, you were such an inept organization that you could not keep him happy and you couldn't pay him. It, it, it's just, it, it's a separate thing, but it's just another example of the Jets just being awful. And I don't, and just for the Saints, as I do think, I do want to get to something you said about the Saints secondary. I think that the Janoris Jenkins thing, I don't think it's that big a deal. I think guys this time of year, and we've seen it, got uh, teams are just trying to shed salary. And some of these veteran guys, you know, it's, it becomes, I think it becomes an age game. If, if you happen to be on the wrong side of 30 or you're whatever age and like, all right, we got to shed this just to, just to, if nothing else, to get a little younger. But I still think there's a lot of good things in that secondary. You got Lattimore. You're going to keep Marcus Williams with this, Malcolm Jenkins. And don't forget about guys like 
Uh, CJ Gardner Johnson, who's a very versatile player, can play nickel. Don't forget about PJ Williams. I still think there's a lot in that secondary that they they could be okay. The bigger issue for them will be will be quarterback, of course. Yeah, I, I, I guess my comment comes off if negotiation with Lattimore goes left. I, I just think they secondary gonna take a big hit. No. That yeah yeah that, if they can yeah um, if they can't if they can't lock up Lattimore then that'll be a huge deal. But I if I had to say I gotta believe they'll get that done. And Lattimore is an elite corner in this league. He's he I think he's top five. I gotta believe since they're doing this with Marcus Williams, they feel very confident that they can handle the Marshawn Lattimore negotiations. All right, time to finish off the show with rapid reactions. A lot of topics, a little bit of time. Here we go, drink. Let's roll, baby. COVID-19 is wreaking havoc on college basketball conference tournaments as positive tests have knocked out Kansas, Duke, and Virginia from their respective tournaments. Tough break for these programs, right, Jay? Oh, it absolutely is. And none, none tougher than Duke. I don't think I don't think Duke was going to, um, you know, make the NCAA tournament. Uh, the big bracket fellas had uh, then projected as having to get the automatic bid with winning the tournament. Uh, but if, if you're a Duke fan, at least you can come out there and say, well, you know, COVID beat us, you know, if not for COVID, we would have won the whole thing and all the rest of it. But, but yeah, uh, unfortunate. I, I really hope it doesn't hurt uh, teams like Virginia and Kansas with the seating in the tournament because um, th- this is, you know, you can take all the precautions in the world, but at the end of the day, it is a virus. And I hope the seating, they don't get penalized too much um, for being knocked out of that tournament. NCAA is considering requiring two-point conversions after a touchdown in the second overtime of college football games, as well as running only alternating two-point conversion plays if a game goes to three or more overtimes. Uh, What do you think of those proposed rules, Drink? Let's roll, baby. I'm with it. I'm with it. Let's roll this package out ASAP. Um, My biggest thing is about college football or sports in general, I love when they come up with new rules that create more of a sense of urgency. That's what this does. No more of that bull crap where it's like five overtimes and no, nah, you, you get one play. And when you, when you, when you get it into overtime two and three, who's the better coach? You got to draw one play. They got to draw one play. Who can stop who? Game over. All right, let's head to half stakes, boys. So I, I like it. I like it. It speeds up the game. It gets all that other unnecessary stuff out. Because you in the red zone. Either you going to get it or you ain't. Like, we don't need all the extra. So... I like it. I'm glad they took away field goal kicking and all that. Make it make you earn it. You gotta earn it. You gotta draw up a play. You gotta you gotta um, execute that play. So I like it. I like it a lot. Houston Rockets coach Stephen Silas said he doesn't expect forward PJ Tucker to return to the team after Tucker set out Thursday night game against the Sacramento Kings due to Tucker's frustration. He has not been traded due to his frustration that he has not been traded to a contender. What's your thoughts? Yeah, this is how you know the NBA is a player's league. When P.J. Tucker is like, you know, flexing and saying, oh, you know what, I'd really, I'd rather not, you know, come to work. And I, I can't, you know, I, I can't necessarily blame him because Houston is god awful right now. I think they've lost 15 in a row. I think they've lost every game since we did a Houston game on this show. So, but it it, it just speak, it does speak to how much this is a, is a player's league. And I, I do hope, and Houston will, they absolutely have to trade him and, they, they should be trading a lot of guys because this right. is all about stockpiling picks ever since the whole Russell Westbrook, James Harden thing, get picks and, and I don't know, process or something. 
Right. Tom Brady and the Bucks have agreed to a contract extension that will keep the seven-time champ in Tampa Bay until 2022. Uh, you care to take a guess when Brady will retire? I mean, he been throwing up 45, you know, 47. Um, I guess you just won't know until we see him take the right hit. I mean, to be honest with you, he got to take the right hit. He take the right hit. I'm sure he's going to get up and say, yeah, this might be my last year. Um, you know, so we just don't know, man. With the, with the level he's been playing, it's so hard to call it. Most of these quarterbacks you can call, but, I mean, look at him. Man, 43 years old, he's still winning the Super Bowl. Like, so you just don't know when he, he will retire. But I, I just think something is going to come, whether he gets tired of practicing or he gets hit good enough. And then time to hang up the shoulder pads, boys. The Patriots have brought back quarterback Cam Newton to a one-year contract worth up to $13.6 million. Did this surprise you? It did. It did somewhat. Uh, I think the amount is much, quite a bit, a little bit of an increase from what he got last year. Uh, I think it just speaks to, you know, the quarterback, the overall quarterback situation uh, for New England and just, I guess, you know, Bill Belichick's looking at the draft. He's looking at free agents and he just doesn't feel comfortable going a different route. Uh, so I think the big focus for them, you know, moving forward, they got to get some weapons. They got to get them some help. You know, Cam Newton, you know, he eight touchdowns, 10 interceptions. That that cannot just be Cam Newton. That's got to be a product of just not having, you know, talented guys on the outside and at tight end. They got to upgrade those. And if they do, the women could bear watching because don't forget about all the opt-out guys from last season. Hightower, Chung, Marcus Cannon, they're all back. So New England, they're, uh, they're worth watching. Uh, interesting story here is Nebraska says it intends to play Oklahoma in college football this season after reports said the Cornhuskers were trying to get out of the game. Uh, what'd you make of all that drink? I'm going to tell you right now, if this is true, I don't want to hear nothing else about Nebraska football this season. This is – like, what are we doing here? Like – that better been a joke, and they better play Oklahoma. If they play anybody other than Oklahoma, and if they don't play Oklahoma, it better be because Oklahoma just got the worst case of COVID, and they had to cancel everything, and da 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 da. This is unacceptable, and I feel like if this is true, Scott Frost need to be his feet need to be held to the fire, because now, not only is it a problem for um, Power Five teams to play each other already because of the COVID. Then you out here talking about, ah, well, we don't want to play Oklahoma. We're trying to set up a game with Panera Bread State. Like, no, no, no. You go ahead and you play the Sooners. Just like every other Power 5 team got to go and play a Power 5 team if they want to be in the playoff race. Like, this is unacceptable. So I'm hoping it's just scuttlebutt, rumors, whatever the case might be. But if this is true, somebody got to bring Scott Frost up to the fight. And that's unacceptable from a Power 5 team. That's just unacceptable. Chiefs quarterback Patrick Mahomes is expected to re restructure his contract to provide salary cap release, relief in Kansas City. The team reportedly plans to convert his roster bonus into a signing bonus, which will save them $17 million against the cap. Any idea what they do with the money that he saved them? It might, uh, might be a good idea to invest just a little bit more in that in the offensive line. As you know, you know, you got a great quarterback, any quarterback for that matter. Um, the offensive line got to be up to bar. And that the offensive line had a really tough time against Tampa Bay. Uh, we know Eric Fisher and Mitchell Schwartz were hurt, but maybe get a little extra depth so you're not, you know, relying on Mike Rimmers and whoever else was out there. Uh, and maybe maybe bolster up the interior of the offensive line. I think um, I think that would be first and foremost what I'd try to do. 
Uh, Golden State Warriors coach Steve Kerr benched rookie center James Wiseman for the first half of Thursday's loss to the LA Clippers after the 19-year-old missed his first two COVID tests during the All-Star break. Is that a fair punishment? I guess you got to know why he missed the COVID test. Well, I mean, just to say he missed them, okay, if he missed them just because he didn't give a rip, then no, nah, it should have been it should have been harder than this. But if he missed them for something that's reasonable and they knew about it and they had to do something, give him a little slap on the wrist, then I, I think it is um, fair punishment. I'm assume that whatever he did was somewhat reasonable because they came up with this punishment. I think. If he had a missed it because he didn't give a rip, if he was pulling the Kyrie, Kyrie Irving special, I, I just don't want to come down here or whatever the case might be, then I think they would have gave him some games for that because you can't you can't do that. But the fact that he missed the first two, he made the rest of them for whatever reason, I'm assume that this is a fair punishment, but I would have to know why he missed those tests to give a, a fair assessment. Karis LeVert makes his debut for the Indiana Pacers tonight against the Phoenix Suns. What are your expectations for him? I think he'll, you know, I think it'll be a, a great celebration for the Indiana Pacers. They finally get, you know, the guy um, that they, the big prize in, in what ended up being the end of Victor Oladipo in Indiana. Um, I think more than what he'll do, I, I'm, I'm interested in seeing the effect it has on his teammates. I think he'll bring, you know, his return will, you know, maybe it energizes guys like Malcolm Brogdon, Debata Sabonis, Miles Turner, gives them more energy. I think he'll be rusty, uh, certainly at first, but I, I, I'm really looking forward to how Indiana looks with him because uh, he's um, he 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 can be definitely more of a great player than what he was allowed to be in New and in, uh, in Brooklyn due to all the star power that they have. Uh, last one tonight, it's UFC Fight Night. It's Edwards Muhammad on ESPN Plus at the UFC Apex in Las Vegas. The main event, it's UFC welterweight bout between the third-ranked contender Leon Edwards. And the thirteenth ranked Bilal Muhammad. Who you got, drink? I'm gonna take Leon Edwards. Um, both of these fighters are pretty, I guess, if you want to say underrated. Um, even though you got the number three by Leon Edwards, he's just not a fighter that a lot of fighters talk about. Um, because he he likes to fight in the UK. Um, he's not really interested in coming into the states until the COVID situation get cleared up. So he's one of those guys that's at the top of the heat that people don't talk about a lot. What, what I like about Edwards, though, is his he maintains a high level of confidence even though he don't fight as much. I kind of like that because I see a lot of fighters, um, Dwayne Don. Um, but, you know, Bilal Muhammad, guy that's coming up the ranks, um, a puncher, he, he, he's a, a good fighter. I just don't think he has enough for Leon Edwards. I think Leon Edwards get this one done. Um, and I think he gets this one done by submission. Technical knockout. I don't think it goes the full five rounds. and um, But I would say not to knock Bilal. He's a good fighter. I just think this stage might be a little too much for him. We'll see. But I take Leon Edwards by knockout. All right. Well, that's it for today's uh, Drink of Wisdom. Thank you for joining us. And as always, like, listen, share, and subscribe. I'm Jay Wise. And I'm Nathan Drinker. And remember, make tomorrow better than today. And make today better than yesterday. And you know what we're going to do. We're going to holler at you until next time, baby.